Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. It had been a period of uncharacteristic industry at the mighty world headquarters of Justice and Dixon. We had been gainfully employed for 26 of the previous 30 days on a variety of matters of little or no interest. We had both snooped on housewives and snooped on behalf of housewives. We had run down leads for bail bondsmen and helped a local antiques dealer to invalidate a will. We had recovered stolen property and stolen very little property ourselves. We had overturned a conviction and helped to free an innocent man in the process, and we also located not one, not two, but three lost cats. We had been playing expense accounts off each other for so long that Miss Dixon was beginning to feel a slight tugging sensation about the middle, to which she was entirely unaccustomed, largely the result of not buying my own lunch in nearly a month. And yet, as always, there was a knowledge that it couldn't possibly last. The law of large numbers simply would not allow old Square John I to settle into industrious prosperity, and sooner or later the piper must be paid for all this expense account chop suey. It was as inevitable as death and taxes. It was this particular phrase which cast a cloud over my morning as I typed up a final bill for a Mrs. Helen P. Sweet of Henderson Drive, who would shortly be sharing some rather candid photographs of Mr. Sweet with a divorce court. Not the certainty that the good times must surely end, but the entrance of the shop-worn cliché. They always seemed to rear their ugly little heads just before things were about to get interesting, and who the heck needs that? Excuse me, I was looking for the firm of Justice and Dixon. You found us, and all it took was a sign on the door. Are you certain that you need a detective? I'm sorry? Ignore him. Lord knows I try. He's Justice, I'm Dixon. How can we help you, Mr... May. Eustace May. Parents can be cruel. Uh, I'm sorry? I said, how do you like your coffee, Mr. May? No, I I never drink coffee, Mr. Justice. I I understand all of those words, but that sentence makes no sense. May I sit down? As decaffeinated as you are, it's a wonder that you can do anything but. Is there anything else we can offer you, Mr. May? Some water or... some water? No, no, thank you. I, I have no need of refreshment. But I do find myself in the thick of a most troubling dilemma. Then you've come to the right place. Troubling dilemmas are our bread and butter. There is no mountain too high, no river too wide, and no desert too... sandy, I guess. Uh, What is the cause of your bedevilment, good sir? The Internal Revenue Service. Thank you for stopping by. What? Jack. I would offer to get your hat for you, but as you seem to already have it... Jack. What? What? Please forgive my associate. He is not, in fact, a gibbering coward, or at least he isn't on just about any other subject. We have, upon occasion, defied more dangerous opponents than the IRS. Name one. Uh, leaving aside for the moment that this is an interesting point... Thank you. We would nonetheless appreciate it if you would continue with your story. In what way do your apparent conflicts with the taxman bring you to the door of two entirely law-abiding detectives of the private variety? Perhaps I should begin at the beginning. Perhaps that might be best. Will you have a small whiskey? Oh, I really shouldn't. It will keep Jack busy and therefore possibly silent. 
Well, just, just a small one, then. Very good. One here, too, Jeeves. Now, Mr. May, if you would care to spin your tale of woe... My tale of... Oh, yes, I see your point. Uh, well, as it happens, Miss Dixon, it does start off exactly that way. You see, my great-aunt Hildegard recently passed away after a long illness. Now, I'm sorry to hear that. Indeed, yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. Great-aunt Hildegard was a dear lady, if a bit eccentric. Well, who isn't, really? I'm not. You? You're screwier than a hat box full of eels. I'm not sure I understand that analogy. Your drink, sir. Oh, dear. Yes, thank you very much. Your health. What? Oh, I, uh, I don't... Yes, all right. Hmm. <sighs> seems a little sharper than usual. It might need a little more time fermenting behind the radiator. Are you quite all right, Mr. May? Hmm. I think that perhaps I will have that glass of water now, Mr. Justice. As it happens, I anticipated this. Here you go. <sighs> Thank you very kindly. <clears throat> what was that? Ignore that. Science project. Uh, you were saying? Great Aunt Hildegard? Oh, yes. When she passed on, she divided her estate between a great many charitable causes with which she was concerned. She gave to charity a lot? Not much in recent years, Mr. Justice. Great Aunt Hildegard was a serious woman, and always most concerned with not outliving her own estate, if you take my meaning. In the past twenty years, those who solicited a, a donation or support from her typically received it in the form of a promise of a of remembrance in her will. Which she was only too happy to supply, since she wouldn't be around for any of it. She was well within her rights. It was her money, and her father's before. There is very little family to be thought of, and, and she had very little interest in most of them. I am very much afraid that I was the exception. I see. No, wait, I don't, really. There is a family estate on the North Bend, not more than a dozen acres or so, and the old manor house. The great Aunt Hildegard wished to keep it in the family, so she kept it aside from the bequests. She left it entirely to me, I'm sorry to say. Nope, still not getting it. I'm guessing it has something to do with the inheritance tax, and this is where the antagonists with the slide rules make their dastardly entrance. You have hit upon it just so, Miss Dixon. There is a considerable value to the property alone, and, and, and the house is in surprisingly excellent condition given how many years it has stood unoccupied. I'm afraid that the tax bill is far more than I can bear. I'll tell you what I tell any other mark caught up in an extortion scam. Grit your teeth and pay up. I cannot, sir. My means are extremely limited. I, I cannot settle the matter without selling the property. I'm afraid the taxman doesn't care much about great Aunt Hildegard's wishes, sir. You may have to do exactly that. My dear girl, I, I would be more than willing to do exactly that if only it were possible, but it is quite hopeless. No one will ever purchase that property at anything close to market value. And why is that? Because it is haunted. And again, sir, thank you for stopping by. Oh, for heaven's sakes. You aren't afraid of ghosts, too, are you? I am afraid of no such thing because there is no such thing. For what it is worth, Mr. Justice, I agree with you entirely. I am a man of science, but even I cannot explain some of the phenomenon that have manifested themselves in that old house over the years. They eventually grew so disturbing that Great Aunt Hildegard abandoned the place 15 years ago, preferring to remain in town rather than live with the, the, the strange noises, groans, and, and, and creaks that have nothing whatsoever to do with the wind, uh, blackness that moves across the wall in a manner that no mere shadow ought to be able to. And do you have observed these phenomena? Well, some of them, I suppose. Others, well, you, you hear a story repeated often enough, and you, and you begin to think that it's... True. 
Certainly the old May house has become a part of local lore. Everyone within 20 miles knows the stories. Some say that it is the lost soul of a serving girl who was murdered there a century ago. Others claim that it is a, a more recent phenomenon and, and is the spirit of great Aunt Hildegard's own father, Colonel Branch May. Still others insist that the house is built over an ancient Indian burial ground. And still others say... Jack, please. No, no, no Miss Dixon. You, you see, it is precisely that sort of skepticism of which I have a need. You see, the taxman has no interest in ghosts. He knows the assessed value of the house and intends that I should pay my duly designated remittance based on that value, should I be unable to sell. But you can't sell because no one will buy. Yes. Because of the boogeyman. Correct. Well, it is not entirely true that I have received no offers at all. There is a fellow in the nearby town who wishes to turn the house into a museum of local history. He feels that the supernatural infestation would not be a major deterrence to visitors. Why is that? Because he doesn't really expect there to be any. As a local historian, he is keenly aware of the fact that nothing very interesting has ever happened in North Bend. Hence the need for a museum. Quite. Obviously, the amount the Historical Society has to offer is considerably less than the tax bill on the property. I, I have spoken to a man from the IRS office, and he feels I should be able to sell for full value to a developer. North Bend is quite a prime location for new housing developments, from what I understand. Don't let her fool you. Trixie's only seen a subdivision once, and she was casing it at the time. You still here? I have had an offer from a developer, Miss Dixon, a man named David Moore. He bid slightly less than Mr. Quincy from the Historical Society. He said it would cost him to remove the original building. That, that, that he, he was worried about people not wanting to buy the new homes because of the stories about the ghosts, and, and that if his crew started digging and learned the stories about the Indian burial ground were true, he could lose the site to archaeologists for a year or more. Does that seem very likely? Mr. Moore says that, that it happens. I, Mr. Quincy says that the burial ground stories have an excellent chance of, of proving valid. and uh, But I think he might just be trying to scare off Mr. Moore. The net effect is that if I take either of the two offers on the property, I will be almost as completely ruined as if I cannot sell it at all. This is very interesting, Mr. May, but I can't help but wonder just exactly what it is you think Miss Dixon and I can do about this. I want you to prove that the house is not haunted. It is quite difficult to prove a negative, Mr. May, especially where the boogeyman is concerned. Oh, quite. I, I, I quite understand, young lady. But it is my hope that uh, if I were to hire professional private detectives to spend a night in the house investigating some of the, the disturbances and then to sign an affidavit to the effect that they had tried their utmost but were unable to find the slightest evidence to support the notion that the building was haunted... Well, I thought that might be as close as I could come to proof on the subject, and, and that it perhaps might warm up the market for more bidders on the property. Uh, let me get this straight. You want to hire someone to be completely unable to prove something conclusively, and who doesn't mind saying so publicly? Well, yes. Mr. May, you've come to the right place. It wasn't as stupid an idea as it seemed. Okay, yes, it almost certainly was, but that isn't the point. The point, gentle listener, is that since May's job was an overnighter and out of town, we hit him up for a three-day minimum plus expenses on which we took a healthy advance in cash on account of his coming woes with the revenuers, who were remarkably humorless about anyone else getting paid. So we had, beyond all reason, extended our streak, and to all appearances we had done so without exposing ourselves to any particular risk or anything that was very much like actual work. 
spooky abandoned house or no spooky abandoned house, this one looked like it was going to involve a certain amount of sitting quietly and waiting for it to be over, which was pretty much how I treated any time I spent with Jack. To that end, we had a thermos of coffee, a backup thermos of coffee in case the first one failed somehow, and a supply of sandwiches from Vince's down the street. And in the grand tradition established by my mother when we went on long family trips, we each got to bring one thing to play with. I brought a good book. Jack brought Freddy the Finger. Are we almost there, Jackie? You'd think we'd be able to see the place by now. If there's anything on this map, Frederick, we're almost right on top of it. Maybe just up ahead. Is you all right there in the back seat, Miss Trixie? Freddy, I sat back here because had I elected to ride in the front seat, you would have spent the interval sitting forward with your head thrust between Jack and I like a large Labrador retriever that could not only talk, but was in fact incapable of shutting up. That's tough, but fair. By sitting back here, I could read my book in relative peace and wonder quietly exactly why in the name of all that is holy you were brought along on this little field trip anyway. Did it ever occur to you that I might have been consulted because I am a keen student of the occult? No. Yes. I mean, no, that had not occurred to me. Could you please back it up by saying something stupid? I will have you know that I have seen nearly every single Abbott and Costello movie and the mummy one three times. And there it is. I'm surprised that you can read in the car. When someone won't stop talking to me, I actually can't. Yeah, I never can neither. Read? Yeah. You astonish me. It's the moving that does it. Not so much the forward, but all the tiny little jumps and bumps, trying to focus on your words, but they but they just keep moving back and forth. Back and forth. It's, it's enough to make you want to... All right, that's enough. You all done your book now? Yes, Freddy, I think I'm all done reading for a while. That's nice. But I hope you ain't bored in the back seat now. Don't you worry about her. Trixie is something of an authority on back seats. Leaving aside for the moment that that is true, shut up. Ah, point taken. I think we is getting close. Basing that on anything in particular? Yeah, all the hairs on my neck just stood up. Marvelous. Tell us when the hairs on your back join them. It's just what happened before Boris Karloff jumped out at Lou and Bud. Are you claiming to have extrasensory perception? Extra? He doesn't even have sensory perception. Look, there it is. I told you we was close. Yes, you did. A scant two minutes after I told you the same thing. That's right. Gosh, is this really the place? I can see why the locals think it's haunted. This place is right out of central casting. Don't all abandoned houses look haunted? Well... When they're a stark silhouette against a gray sky in an open field, they sure do. Yeah, or if they're possessed by some kind of demon. Shut up. Just shut up. Look, appearances notwithstanding, there are no such things as ghosts. So let's get this over with, yes? Yes? Yes. Except maybe no. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. Let's begin at the beginning. There are no such things as ghosts. The idea seems fairly silly, and while I find death as creepy as a guy who has seen a fair amount of it up close and personal possibly can, I have never seen anything that supports the idea of return visitations from that undiscovered country. The trouble is, as a casual fan of the scientific method, I know darn well that this is not proof. I also can't prove conclusively that all of the house cats in the world don't sing Coney Island Baby when no one is looking. Both ideas are arbitrary. 
and depend upon the acceptance as fact of unsubstantiated loosey-goosey or downright wild speculation. It is extremely difficult to disprove the absurd because there is no standard measure, and fans of the notion will continue to move the goalposts on you if you even try. But that isn't exactly what our client, the tragically named Mr. Eustace May, had employed us to do. He just wanted us to spend the night in a house he couldn't sell and then sign papers saying that as trained investigators, we could find no evidence of supernatural happenings so that his own poltergeist, the Internal Revenue Service, would allow him to rest in peace at last. Simple, right? Right. Boy, it sure is gloomy in here. Uh, it wasn't this dark outside yet. The sun is going down, Fred. And the windows are pretty dirty. Sure they are, Jackie. Sure they are. Everything's all right. <laughs> sure it is. I'll get the lights. Oh, fantastic. The electricity's off. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't think so. I think the bulb is just missing. I think all the bulbs are missing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Look, I've got a good gas lantern, Frederick. We'll set it up in this big room here, make this our base camp. Then we'll go exploring before it gets pitch dark in here, just so we know where everything is. Why don't you find a place to sit? Yeah, that sounds fine, Jackie. I'll just, uh, I'll just sit, uh, maybe uh, over here. Why did you bring him? I thought it would be funny. He's driving me bananas. Right, like I said, funny. Jack. Oh, lay off. He and Alice had a fight about something that has the little guy afraid to go home. Which, knowing Alice, could be just about anything. Besides, he'll be fine. Oh! What was that? It was the wind. The wind don't make noises like that. As it happens, you're both right. But the wind does blow the old tree beside the house around. Those are branches against the side of the house. Are you sure? Come on, let's have a look. I think perhaps I will stay and guard the camp. As you wish. Come on, Trixie. Actually, on second thought, I think I will perhaps come with. Well... Sorry, Miss Trixie. It's just... I just thought this place sure looks like what it's supposed to be. It does, doesn't it? Problem. No. But if I had a house to sell that people said was haunted, I'd make darn sure that it looked like anything but. Wash the windows, get the electrical fixed, repaint, whatever. The tax man has him booked on a one-way trip to the poorhouse. Maybe he's scared to put good money after bad. So instead he hires us? It's an interesting point. But if it wasn't for poor personal decisions, we wouldn't have much of a business, would we? This qualifies as much of a business now? Oh, boy. These stairs is creaky. Oh, why do the stairs always have to be creaky? What always? How many haunted houses have you been to? Here we go. See? Look out this window. It's pretty clear that all of this wind has got that branch tapping against the house. Listen. Ah, there's your spooky noise, Freddy. That's one of them, yeah. Uh, and that would be another. Okay, that's a little strange. You think? I'm running through a mental checklist of common household things that might make a sound such as that. Is it a lengthy list? You know what? It's not. Is there anything at all on the list? Funny you should ask. No. Listen to that, Jackie. Chains. Rattling chains. It's a ghost, Jackie. A spook. Spirit. A, a, a specter. A, a thing from another world. Are you going to shut him up? Actually, I was going to see how many synonyms he could come up with. Oh, let's get out of here, Jackie. My poor heart can't take it. Why? What's wrong with your heart? Uh, well, nothing really, but there's a first time for everything. Oh, let's get out of here, Jack. Trixie, I'm begging you. This place really is haunted. That's good. Keep it up, Fred. Really? Yeah, really. 
then we're going? No, keep whimpering. Oh, no, I'm begging you, Jackie, please. You got a plan? I always have a plan. Let's get drunk now isn't exactly a plan. Why would it be chains? What? Marley's ghost wore chains. Why would this one? It's a cliche. No, I'm pretty sure that it's a ghost. Please, let's go. I think he's in the crawl space. Or the attic. Won't be that hard to find. Especially if we don't look. You're right, Freddy. I think this place is haunted. That's what I said. We should get out of here. Don't you think, Trixie? Oh, sure. I'm not staying in a haunted house. No how. No how? Shut it. Right. Let's go. How come we ain't leaving? Lot of walking and nobody leaving. Wait for it. They bought it. A little more to make sure they don't change their minds. <laughs> All right, Creepy Joe. Keep those chains still or you get another one of those. Oh, what? Oh. Miss Trixie, you punched out a ghost. Try not to be a total idiot. Lord knows I try. I either punched out a building developer or a guy from the Historical Society. Which is it, pal? What? If I had to guess from the tweeds, I'd say this is Mr. Quincy, the historian. Now, how much now? One of the interested parties trying to get the property for a song. The last thing he wanted was for us to put the ghost rumors to bed, so he thought he'd favor us with some excerpts from Charles Dickens, didn't you, Mr. Quincy? How did you know? The real question is, how did you know we were going to be here and what we were sent to do? Eustace told me. He boasted that he was bringing in some investigators from the city and that my efforts to buy the property for the historical society were all for naught. And they were. That's right. Shut up. What are you going to do? Well, you've taken a few lumps for your trouble. Not sure you've exactly committed a crime bigger than being an idiot. Breaking and entering? Yeah, well, people who live in glass houses. That's an interesting point. What are you looking at? I'm sorry, I'm not sure what to do. I got lost in all that banter. Blow. And don't let me see your tweedy little face again. Yes! Yes! Thank you! You see, Freddy? Nothing to be afraid of at all. What can I say, Jackie? When you're right, you're right. These steps is a little bit dark now, though. Hmm? Watch it! Sorry, Miss Trixie. We should have brought the lantern. It's all right, we're almost there. Jackie! For Pete's sake, what now? Down the end of the hall. I saw it. Saw what? Let go of me. It looked looked like a girl, and she was glowing. This way? Jackie, don't walk closer. Are you both crazy? Wait for me. I think I see her. Yeah, thanks. She's the glowing one. Drop dead. Looks like a serving girl. The one that was murdered? Murder? Nobody said nothing about no murder. Oh, boy. Here she comes. Jackie, do something. Sure thing, Fred. Yeah, something like that. If you're really the ghost of an 18th century serving girl, I guess this next bullet will pass right through you. I ain't a ghost. Don't shoot me. I ain't a ghost. You're crazy. Yeah, just a little. And here we have exhibit two. A local girl in phosphorescent paint. Let me guess, you were hired by the developer, David Moore. Yeah, that's right. I've been in here for hours waiting for you. I was supposed to wait until midnight, then make sure you saw me once and get out of here. And you heard someone run down the stairs and out the door and slipped out of your hidey hole to see if it was us. Yeah. I didn't want to be alone in here no more. This place is haunted. (sighs) If it was really haunted, why would Mr. Moore have to hire you to make us think it's haunted? Look, mister, do I know? Can you put that gun away, please? Sure thing. Beat it, kid. You mean it? 
But what do I tell Mr. Moore? Whatever you like, and good luck getting that goop out of your hair. Go! All right, that should be it, right? Um, do either of you hear something? You know what? I kind of do. Yeah, it's a, a little more subtle, like drums. Indian drums. Like some kind of war dance or something. See? It's a little louder now. You're very calm about this. Ah, shoot, Jackie. I ain't afraid of Indians. I got friends that is Indians. Remember Mandeep? Freddy, Mandeep is an actual Indian. From India. Sure. That's what I said. You know, native culture is rich and varied. Yeah, especially when you build over a burial ground. A burial how much? Yeah, see, you probably shouldn't have done that. You mean, those ain't just Indians. Those are... Ghost Indians? Quiet, would you? It's kind of coming from everywhere. That's because they're ghost Indians. Jackie, we gotta get out of here, please. Quiet, Freddy. Quiet. I think the sound is in the pipes. Feel the radiator. It's vibrating. Indians is in the pipes? Oh, Jackie, please. Bring the lantern, Freddy. Keep whimpering. We're headed to the basement. The basement? Oh, Jackie, not the basement. That's the most haunted place for sure. No, don't let me hear. Wait up. This is crazy. Why are we looking for ghost Indians anyway? I don't I don't see why you need to look for something you don't want to find. Listen. Listen, Jackie. When you open the door, the drumming got louder. Jackie, please don't go down them steps, okay? Wait, wait for me, wait for me. Oh boy, 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 oh boy. The music keeps getting louder, Jackie. You can hear the voices calling, Jackie. But Feel better, Mr. Costello? You know, I almost do. Found it. Found what? The master switch for the power. You shut off the ghost Indians. That's right, Freddy. They were just a recording stuck down here... Somewhere they'd echo through the whole house. How did you know the tape recorder didn't have batteries? Why else would all the light bulbs have been removed? Keep the power on and us still in the dark. Isn't that right, Mr. May? Mr. May, if you make me look for you, you won't like it when I find you. I'm right here. You little creep. You didn't want us to give the place a clean bill of health. You wanted us to run like rabbits. And that's why he dropped the hint that we'd be here to Moore and Quincy, in the hopes that they'd run us off. But he couldn't take the chance. But why? I thought he was trying to sell this dump. Yes, to an outfit from New Jersey that runs a chain of haunted hotels. If I could establish the estate's bona fides as a haunted house in a way that would satisfy them, they would pay a great deal. Running you off seemed like the best way. And it is. But you did it the stupid way. I did? Mr. Justice and I would be pleased to sign an affidavit to the effect that we were unable to disprove the legends of the May Manor house. We would? Sure we would. We can't disprove something this stupid anyway. We'll sign it, May, for $5,000. 5000 I can't... Nah, we can wait until the sale goes through, but we'll sign the paperwork now. And if you don't pay up, we fess up to the company and you have the IRS and an outfit from New Jersey on your case. Death and taxes, Mr. May. Death and taxes. Blackjack Justice, episode 56, Death and Taxes, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Peter Nichol, Stephen Burley, Michelle D'Alessandro Hatt, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright.
Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Battery, along with my associates, Arnie Kunchbein. I can introduce myself. Thank you very much. All right. Hi, I'm Arnie Kunchbein. That's it? That's it. And also, do you want me to introduce you, Brad? Well, of course, Mr. Bell. That's your job as host. Thank you, Brad. And I'd like to introduce Brad... Hold it. What? Here's your script. Script? Well, <laughs> you got to know what to say. All right. <clears throat> And introducing Brad Montworth, a salesman, incomparable public relations expert, and, of course, unrivaled attorney at law. No, come on, you know how to say it, Mr. Bell. Unrivaled attorney, attorney at, at law. law. Oh, Mr. Bell, you shouldn't say those things. You make me blush. Can I do my introduction over again? No. We're here for an important reason. Very important. Indeed. If you think you deserve significant financial compensation, call Brad Motworth, attorney, attorney at law. Oh, boy. At 555 No, 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 no. We're here to remind everybody to take steps to avoid the coronavirus. Yeah, don't catch it. Because there's no one you can sue. Wash your hands thoroughly and keep social distancing. What? Social distancing. One more time. Stay about six feet away from everybody else. Right, very good. Oh, I gotta wash my hands thoroughly. I don't wanna get me this corona. Ooh, keep your distance now. Socially. I wanna keep feeling fine, corona. Never gonna stop getting squirts from my Purell. I'm always gonna buy all the toilet paper that they sell. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, corona. Bye, corona. Don't get no closer, huh? Beat it, huh? Far enough where I can't see your eyes, Corona. An illness history is not for me. Uh-uh. Don't want to try your COVID on for size, Corona. Never gonna touch. Stay away. My epidermis never wants to be close to where that nasty germ is. Bye, 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 bye. Woo. Fly Corona! Fly Corona! Pumpkin Pie Corona! Now wait a minute! Fly Corona! Goodbye Corona! Good riddance!